Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central. Simpler communications. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome to the show, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we are bringing you the week one preview, part two in today's episode, where we'll be talking about the four o'clock games, the Sunday night and the Monday night games this week. And we'll have the mailbag segment, of course, on the end. And also, we have to talk about that abysmal of a Thursday night game yesterday from a fantasy perspective and go over that. So we're going to get to all of that. We have the latest news segment that we have to get to. And the latest news segment is going to give you a good idea as to why I do two preview shows each week uh, because there's just stuff that comes out on Thursday into Friday that I want to make sure you guys know go heading into the weekend. We're going to talk about the updated injury report so that way you are all set and ready to go for your matchups on Sunday. Hopefully you guys had an okay time yesterday. I know there was a lot of fantasy disappointments, but there were some fantasy bright spots in yesterday's game that may have helped you out. So we're going to go over that. We're going to talk about that. One thing I want you guys to know is that I have all the rankings and projections updated on the website, www.mdffshow.com. I have all of the Bears and Packers players taken out of the rankings, so you now you know who the top 10 and 12 at quarterback are, who the top 24 at running back and wide receiver are with those guys removed heading into Sunday, so you know what to do next. So I have all that up. Make sure you check that out. Also, make sure you're checking me out on Sportscaster. I did a video yesterday. Didn't have the greatest audio quality, had a little technical difficulties that expects to get cleaned up today. So I'm going to redo what I tried to do yesterday, which is I'm going to have all of my rankings, my top 
12 for a quarterback, 24 for running back, 24 for receiver, and top 12 for tight end. So I'm going to go over all of those rankings with you ahead of the weekend. And then at the end of the day, I might do a second video talking about all the latest injury report news. That way you guys are most up to date as possible heading into this weekend because I enjoy the weekend along with everybody else setting my fantasy teams and getting ready for Sunday. And then of course, I'll be back to you guys on Monday when we recap the Sunday games and then Tuesday we'll recap the Monday night games along with the waiver wire segment and that will be the schedule that we have pretty much every single week and then do the preview shows on Thursdays and Fridays. Wednesdays is the only day that there is no podcast episode from the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Just to give you guys an idea if you're a first time listener to the show and haven't been around with us since last year. Let's go ahead and drop that latest news segment. We have a lot we have to get into. I thought you would have covered all the news yesterday, but then there was, of course, more tasty treats or curses for us, depending on how you want to look at it, that came out later on yesterday afternoon. So let's go ahead and get into that. Latest news. So, of course, we have to kick off today's segment with what everyone has been talking about for the last seemingly 16 hours, which is the Antonio Brown situation. So, apparently... His displeasure for being fined for missing those two practices was enraging him a little bit more than we all thought. Mike Mayock confronted him at practice in the open field on Wednesday, and that's how this whole thing started. Uh, words were exchanged. Not exactly sure what happened, but we do know how it ended, which is Antonio Brown threatened to punch his general manager in the face. Players actually had to grab him to hold him back. He punted a football and then left the facility. So that is what happened with Antonio Brown on Wednesday. Come out yesterday, the news breaks. Everyone's talking about what they're going to do. The Raiders may go ahead and suspend their own player. Now, what we haven't, what we don't know yet is exactly what the details are as far as that is concerned. A lot of things have been floated out. There has been four game suspension by the Raiders. There's been a, a decision of because they suspended him, they have the possibility of voiding his $30 million contract. And if they were to actually cut him by the game on Monday, they could completely get out of his contract altogether and not have to pay him if they wanted to just cut ties after this summer and decided enough is enough. So it will be very interesting to see what they wind up doing. As far as all of that goes, that's just pure speculation. What we do know for sure is that Antonio Brown is not going to be expected to play in this Monday night's matchup against the Denver Broncos, which is the late Monday night game. So that that is definitely, he will not be playing week one, and exactly when he'll be coming back is remains to be seen. And this is a development that is just, you know, it goes beyond fantasy football, obviously, but being that this is a fantasy football show, and we want to harp on that aspect, I feel really bad for everybody who drafted Antonio Brown. I have him in a couple of leagues as well. It's Nothing is more annoying than this, because this is a situation, it's, it's not an injury, it's not even an, a suspension by the NFL. It is a guy who, for some reason, is completely off of his rocker, more so than he ever has been in his entire career. There's always been a little screw loose with Antonio Brown, but it has never been to this level of divaness out of him until he goes to the Raiders this season. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if he thought he could just get his money and then be done with it, but now he's put himself in a situation where he might actually screw himself out of his money because he cannot control himself. It will be remains to be seen what happens. From a fantasy football perspective, you know, don't move on Antonio Brown right now. I will say this though, because of all the prospects that are going on, if you find somebody who wants to trade with you, I might consider it depending on the deal. Now don't 
they'll completely lowball yourself. You're not going to get the same value for that you drafted Antonio Brown for out of somebody if they're trading you for him. But just reading the tea leaves, this is a situation that can go really far south really quickly. And getting some value for him may not be the worst thing in the world. Now, here's what I will say. I wouldn't trade him at all until next week. Wait to see what happens this Sunday because we may get more details that come out over the weekend exactly as far as what the Raiders plan to do after this week. I don't believe they're going to cut him. They traded too much to get him. A lot of their season is built around having Antonio Brown in the building. Uh, but at the same time, this is really a unprecedented situation with a player openly and actively physically threatening and going after a general manager. So that's where this whole thing just kind of gets thrown up in the air. Nobody knows really next what to do. I would just wait. Wait until next week. Now, next week comes, we get a little more detail saying, you know, Antonio Brown's going to be spent for four games or... Maybe it's still up in the air by then, but he's still on the team. As long as he's still on the team, they're going to have to pay him. So he'll play somewhere. If it's not with the Raiders, he'll play somewhere. Or he'll play eventually for the Raiders if he stays on the team. So at that point, that's when he can kind of take a little bit of solace in that. And that could help you trade to somebody and have value in saying, hey, I know for sure he's going to play this season at some point now because of this, because he stayed on the team. So just wait till we get some more details. But I am not dismissing the idea of somebody trying to trade with you if they give you a decent value, like a running back to a wide receiver to maybe an extra little sugar piece. That, that's something that you may have to consider, but I would still wait until Monday. As far as that rest of that situation goes, make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow to make sure you're getting all the news update notifications so when something else on that comes through, you will know what happens as soon as it happens, especially if you're an Antonio Brown owner. I talked about it already yesterday when this news came out that you might want to go ahead and pick up Tyrell Williams if you have Antonio Brown because this did happen at first when it was on when we were recording on the show so we did break this on the show so just just that stands true you want to pick up Tyrell Williams he finds himself in a position to be a very good floor wide receiver three flex play this week because he will be the featured wide receiver heading into week one I don't love the matchup against the Denver Broncos and we'll see what happens because he's more of a deep threat complimentary wide receiver he's not really a number one guy but he could be putting himself in a position to have a decent amount of volume in this game. And we're going to get into that because we're going to be talking about that game later on in today's show. Our other piece of latest news that we want to talk about is Julio Jones. It seems as though he's done a 180. After we got done the podcast, about a few minutes after we got done the podcast, it came out that Julio Jones was talking about threatening to possibly sit out this week entirely if a contract did not get done. That was what was being reported by almost anyone who has any knowledge of the situation comes back later on that night and says, no, 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 I do plan on playing regardless of the contract situation, but I do expect the contract to be done by this weekend anyway. So I don't know if Julio Jones suddenly got some reassurance later on that they are pretty sure they'll get something done and be able to agree upon by Saturday and just came out and, you know, did a 180, a backtrack and said, you know, I'm going to play this week. I'll be ready to go. He did sit out of practice I think for that issue, talked about how I'm being sore and whatnot, but at the end of the day, it does look like Julio Jones is going to play. He's not going to suddenly be a late holdout heading into this week. You definitely want to monitor the situation because that was within a six-hour period that there was a complete 180 flip-flop on where he was standing at. So it's something you're going to 
definitely make sure you're looking into if you're a Julio Jones owner. But I would say as of now, I would be 90% sure that he's going to be playing week one. So that's it for our latest news segment today. Let's go ahead. We're going to take a break right here, come back on the other side and start off with our first our, actually, no, I'm sorry. We're going to start off with the recap of last night's game. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Yes, yes, we have to once again recap the Thursday night game right here. Yes, we have to think about, talk about, and actually examine that death hole of a boring game last night to kick off the NFL season. The whole time I just kept waiting, let something happen. And other than one drive by the Green Bay Packers, nothing really did. Look, let's start off, first of all, on the Packers' side. It was a disappointing game for Aaron Rodgers, who does have a history of lighting up the Chicago Bears. Now, not necessarily in Chicago, but I felt like he was going to come into this game week one and be able to throw it around. There was a lot of bad play calling there by Matt LaFleur at the end of the day. I don't know. He came out in his game script to start off the first quarter. I don't know what possessed him to make him think that he was going to be able to run the football against that front with that terrible offensive line of the Green Bay Packers, which may even be worse than I previously thought, which could lead to a lot of issues there for Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is one of my best candidates. He might even be more cemented so. Now, having said all that, we know the Chicago Bears are one of the best front sevens in all of the NFL. So it's not like we're in a situation where we suspect that they are going to look like this against everyone. But they still play Minnesota, who has a pretty good front seven. And they're going to have to play the Bears again and Minnesota again. So that's three more games, at least after this one, where they're definitely going to have a a disadvantage there on the front line. And that offensive line just does not look good. It's going to be an issue for them all year long. That is for sure. What happened when the Packers looked good? Oh, Aaron Rodgers just went back to taking over the game and throwing the football and doing Aaron Rodgers like things. That was the only drafted that was the only drive that they had that they were able to score the touchdown on. Rodgers just took over, passed the ball, went down the field, and look, they looked like a team that had not played in the preseason. They looked like a team that was not quite in sync. This offense is going to get better. That's not what I'm trying to say. This is not I'm not somebody you're gonna find a overreaction with. I am not going to somebody who's going to suddenly come out after one game and totally change his tune on everything he's said. I was worried about Matt LaFleur. He gave me more reason to be worried about his play calling yesterday. Now, does it show some signs that the one drive that they did have is when he let Aaron Rodgers take over the game? Maybe. Maybe he learns from that. However, he's going to have to figure out something running the football because that offensive line is not good. Jamal Williams is ungodly slow. Yesterday, we had Aaron Jones go for 13 carries for 39 yards. Jamal Williams, five carries, zero yards. Zero. Zero yards. So the good news there is that at least Aaron Jones is the one getting the majority of the work. It's not really a timeshare. Jamal Williams only came in to spell him here and there. So that's the good news as far as that goes. On the flip side, though, like I said, I'm worried about that offensive line moving forward, but they will have better matchups and better games ahead. Aaron Jones is not suddenly going to be somebody who can't start. While he was one of my best candidates, I still think he's going to be a viable flex option from here on out and will be for the entire season. As far as receivers go, 
there were some bright spots here. Marquez Valdez-Scantling looked good. He caught his deep bomb. He had four catches for 52 yards. All of that looked really good there. So he's definitely, the biggest thing you can take out of that game as far as Marquez Valdez-Scantling goes is that he's clearly ahead of Geronimo Allison, who wasn't targeted once in this entire game and frankly didn't play that many snaps because the Packers, I thought they would come out against the Bears and try to spread them out, you know, loosen up that front seven, not try to play their strength. That's not what they did, which is, you know, part of my reasons why I think Matt LaFleur gave us more reasons to be worried about his play calling. But on top of that, it also hints that maybe they're not going to try to play three receiver sets as much as we all think and would expect a Packers offense to do. And if that is the case, Geronimo Allison goes from somebody who could be a wide receiver four, wide receiver five on any given team with some PPR upside playing from the slot receiver position to being a guy that you could possibly and wait for it. Prepare to be flushed. That's right. Be flushed. Be flushed off of the team. Now, I did that for two reasons. Obviously, I have a new sounder for when I tell you to dump a player, and I want to be able to use it right there. And the second thing is to let you know, you can go ahead and dump Geronimo Allison. He was taken in the back end of a lot of drafts, and this is a guy who, if he's going to be clearly behind Marquez Valdez-Scantling in this matchup, look, there's going to be better games ahead. This isn't a no-reaction sense of, like, I'm telling you Geronimo Allison's never going to do anything. But next week, if Tyrell Williams still happens to be available in your league or there's other options available to you, Geronimo Allison is a guy I'm going to be completely fine with dropping. He's going to have to now show me that he's going to have a vital role in this offense rather than me holding on to him and waiting for him. And being that you took him in the teens of your rounds and your drafts anyway, he's not somebody who you spent a high draft price on. So Geronimo Allison becomes the first player that we can say, go ahead and dump if you so choose. Now, he's not a guy who I'm 100% just dumping for no reason or just getting off your team just because. And there's going to be players like that throughout the season. He is somebody, though, like I said, if you can have better value, I would go ahead and move on from Geronimo Allison, not just because of this game, but because of the way they called the offense. Jimmy Graham had three catches, 30 yards. He had a touchdown. He was a pivotal part in the red zone. They tried to get to him more involved. I talked about this before, Jimmy Graham possibly being a sleeper because I felt like he will get more involved, at least if nothing else, in the red zone under Matt LaFleur. That's exactly what we saw yesterday. Now, it's not always going to be wanting up being in a touchdown, but Jimmy Graham is somebody who I think people can go ahead and pick up and stream at the tight end position at the very least throughout this season. On the Bears side of the ball, they're not, there wasn't a lot to like there either. Mitchell Trubisky was terrible. Now, I had Mitchell Trubisky as my number 20 quarterback overall, so I was pretty much telling you to not start him anyway. Doesn't throw for a touchdown here. Only ran for 11 yards, offered 228 passing yards, threw a pick that iced the game at the very end. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
completely 100% abysmal on Mitchell Trubisky. He looked terrible. A lot of his throws were sailing high, which is a key that his fundamentals were completely off in yesterday's game. And the Packers defense did play great. They brought pressure. They had a great game plan in place. But while the Packers defense may have improved from what it was a season ago, this still is not going to be a top 10 defense this year. So that's something to keep in mind as well. This wasn't a top 10 talented team, team that we saw going up against him. This is a defense that just had speed, had a good game plan, and was able to frustrate Mitchell Trubisky all night long. Now, before we get too down on Trubisky, I will say that I'll give him a little bit of a bailout in the fact that Matt Nagy called a terrible game. I don't know what this dude was thinking. Cordell Patterson, third and one, you run him in. I'm like, you have David Montgomery and Mike Davis and Tariq Cohen, which brings me to my second point. It is clear, it is clear after one week David Montgomery is head and shoulders the best running back in that backfield. Not that I didn't know that already. Not that you as MD Nation listening to this podcast didn't know that already. But now it should be 100% clear to the world and hopefully, most importantly, to the Chicago Bears staff that David Montgomery is the most talented back in that backfield and should be taking over week two. Now, I told you guys yesterday, we even had a lot of questions on the podcast yesterday about David Montgomery in the mailbag segment. And what did I say? Don't play him week one. I have, you have other options that you can go to. I would because I do not trust exactly what the rotation is going to be on the very first game of the year. Once he shows you who he can take over, then you can go ahead and play David Montgomery and know that you have an RB2 at your disposal and you'll be great. But I knew that they were going to come out and try to give Mike Davis some touches, try to give Tariq Cohen his touches. And that's exactly what they did. And I think it really shot themselves in the foot because had they stuck with David Montgomery, I think they would have been able to find themselves in a rhythm at some point. Mike Davis had six carries. David Montgomery had six carries. Uh, Mitchell, Tr- Mitchell Trubisky had three. Now, the one thing to note here, Tariq Cohen didn't carry the ball at all. He was only involved in the passing game. And he was one of the leading receivers. He had eight catches for 49 yards. So if you play Tariq Cohen in a flex play on a PPR league, you're okay. And that's the only league that Tariq Cohen, that's the only type of scoring league, I should say, that Tariq Cohen is going to have value all season long is going to be the PPR leagues. Something to keep in mind there. The lone bright spot for fantasy purposes really on either side of the team, because I almost forgot to talk about Devontae Adams because he was a non-factor, was Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson had seven catches for 102 yards. He looked good. He looked healthy. He looked explosive. And it's clear cut that he is head and shoulders the feature target of that offense in Matt Nagy's system. They moved him all around. He was in the slot. He lined up outside. He ran his intermediate routes, ran his wheel routes. So Allen Robinson, I've been saying that I've been a little bit higher on Allen Robinson than most heading into this season. He does look like a guy who's going to be able to give you consistent points week in and week out being a featured piece of this type of offense. And he's a guy on lookout alert. He could wind up finding himself in the top end of the wide receiver two territory if he's going to continue to get targeted the way that he is and I don't see any reason as to why he would not and this was a game where it was brutal on offense no touchdowns were scored by the Chicago Bears and Al Robinson was still good for you for fantasy purposes so this is a good sign for Al Robinson if nothing else and it wasn't like he was going against schlubs on the other side I like J.R. Alexander I like some of the young pieces that the Green Bay Packers have in their secondary so he was going against legitimately talented guys and still finding himself getting open on a consistent basis I expect that to be the case consistently week to week for most most of the season quick tidbit on Devontae Adams because I just kind of realized I skimmed over him 
Four catches, 36 yards. Better days are ahead for him. Yes, it was disappointing. I still plan on him having the opportunity to be the number one wide receiver by the time the end of the year rolls around. The Packers will get better on offense. So just a quick tidbit there. No need to hit the panic button if for some reason you were thinking you should. All right, that wraps up our recap of yesterday's game. So let's go ahead and start off with our now preview of the 4 o'clock games on Sunday, kicking it off with the Colts and the Chargers. Now, with the Colts, we know Jacoby Brissett taking over here. So what does that mean? Well, everyone gets knocked down a peg. T.Y. Hilton, to me, is a high-end wide receiver three. And I won't even I usually say high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver I, I don't think he's a low-end wide receiver two this week. I, I have T.Y. Hilton pretty low. I'll talk about him in my video on Sportscaster when I talk about my rankings, exactly how low that I have, because I want you guys to tune into that. So a little, you know, a little tease for you there. But fact of the matter is, I want to have better options. Casey Hayward is healthy this week. He's going to see a lot of T.Y. Hilton, so he already doesn't have a good matchup. I've already been documented as to saying on this podcast that Hilton has had one of his worst seasons when Jacoby Brissett was the starter. While I think Brissett probably, when most likely, and we'll see it on Sunday, has improved since then when he last started, which no doubt about it. And I like Jacoby Brissett's talent. I don't think he's a bum by any stretch of the means. I don't like the matchup, and it's just going to be a downgrade overall for the pass catchers for the Colts this entire season, not having Andrew Luck. So that's something you want to keep in mind. T.Y. Hilton, to me, is more of a flex play, who a guy that you know it only takes one play. So if you feel like you're stuck in a situation, maybe you played Aaron Jones in last night's game. Maybe you had Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers, and you're just looking to score some points, and you need to hit a home run somewhere. T.Y. Hilton may offer you that because you know he's just one play away from giving you that. However, I would actually look for other options if you're put in a position to do so, if you were able to wait to draft T.Y. Hilton. Now, you probably don't have any better options, and you probably have to play him, but I'm not loving him this particular week. Talking about Devin Funches here, I don't like any of the receivers. Devin Funches, Paris Campbell, who is not expected to be limited in any capacity, although he hasn't practiced a lot, so I will be curious to see exactly how significant his role is on Sunday and how it won't be Chester Rogers. But I'm not touching any of the receivers if I have a choice this week for the Colts, just until I see exactly how this is all going to break down. The tight ends, on the other hand, it's a little bit of a different story. Brissett does like to go to tight ends. He had that history with them. He did produce good results with Jack Doyle the last time he started. I still expect Eric Ebron to have his red zone role. So I still, I still think you can play him and hope for a touchdown. I do think Jack Doyle might wind up being the safety net for Jacoby Brissett. So I think he actually has a decent floor as a tight end as well. And I've talked about, I've talked about Jack Doyle being a guy that I think you can stream for. Not going to be a top 12 every, every, every week. I'm not going to rank him as a top 12 every week, but he is a guy who's going to be able to keep you in that competition area. Marlon Mack is the guy, like, I think they're going to have to lean on the run more so, not just this week, but pretty much all season long. I've talked about how I think this helped his volume, getting him more carries. I think they're going to have more of an emphasis on that aspect of the game. And the thing about Marlon Mack is he actually is a good pass catcher. It's not like this guy can't catch the ball. I will be curious to see, you you know, we had had Frank Reich talk about how he wants he wants Marlon Mack actually to be the three down back, but we've also seen him go ahead and turn around and keep Naeem Hines as a specialty passing down roll back. And he's very good at it. So I can understand why they would want to stick with that. 
but we may see Mack get sprinkled in a little bit more in the passing game. And if he just gets if he just gets the hair more, a hair more opportunities in the passing game, it really does boost his value overall. I think he has a very safe floor in this game. The great thing about him is he's not necessarily game script dependent because he is explosive. He is a playmaker. It only takes about one run for him. This should be a good offensive line for the Colts heading into this week. So Marlon Mack, I do love him as an RB2, a high-end flex play if you're able to swing that if you were loaded at the running back position. But he's the one Colt who I'm going into this game like I have confidence in playing you and knowing that I will get what I want to get out of you and expect out of you outside of that no one really else on the Chargers side of the ball there's a lot of interesting things to take into consideration here we know Melvin Gordon's not going to play this week we don't know how long that's going to be but for this week in particular as far as the running backs go to be expected it's going to be Austin Eckler it's going to be Justin Jackson Justin Jackson will probably get a little bit more of the carries while Austin Eckler will probably get a maybe a decent amount more of the passing work and that's kind of how the committee is going to go they may go to a hot hand approach I hear a lot of coaches talk about that but usually they like to stick to their roles and that's what their roles are going to be that's what we saw towards the end of last season and it worked pretty well for them when Melvin Gordon was out the one thing about this team, and I talked about it a little bit yesterday, is that when Melvin Gordon does not play, they usually wind up being a pass-first team. So we can expect them to throw the ball a bit more. I like Phil Rivers against the Colts defense. I talked about this all offseason that I think the Colts defense overachieved. So I think Phil Rivers will be an opportunity to with, with the extra throws that he should be making with Melvin Gordon out. I think he'll have an opportunity to be a back-end QB1, higher-end QB2 this particular week. I know in some leagues you could probably stream him. Uh, In most leagues, he is picked up as a later-round quarterback, maybe a second quarterback, but I do think he has that high-end QB2, low-end QB1 this week because I do think he's going to have an opportunity to throw for a couple of touchdowns. I don't think he goes for 300 yards, though, and that's what's going to be at the end of the day. But a couple of touchdowns should be in the future of Phillip Rivers, and that leads into our wide receivers, who I do love. I love Keenan Allen this week, especially if you're in half-point or full-point PPR leagues. He always gets a higher percentage of the work share as far as the targets go when Melvin Gordon's out. Even even with Austin Eckler in there, even as much as I like to throw the ball to Austin Eckler, when there's no Melvin Gordon, there's always more work for Keenan Allen. Look no further than last year when Keenan Allen went on a tear when Melvin Gordon was out. So I expect Keenan Allen to hold up to his wide receiver one potential that you drafted him for, a back-end wide receiver one, and he should be able to be there. I expect he's going to be targeted quite a bit. I think Mike Williams has a really good chance to get a touchdown. And the thing with these two guys is that because Travis Benjamin is the third receiver on this team, and he's more of just a big play guy, the volume in the passing game is predominantly going to always go to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, with Hunter Henry getting in there as well. But that's going to leave a really good floor and consistency week to week for these two wide receivers. And Mike Williams, I believe, is somebody who has a very good chance of breaking out this season and taking that next step up, especially in the red zone. So I love Mike Williams here as well as a back-end wide receiver two, high-end flex play, high-end wide receiver three this week. Hunter Henry, he's your tight end one. He's always going to be somewhere around my top six, top seven of tight ends heading into any given week. He's always going to be a red zone threat no matter what the matchup is. And I do believe he's back and healthy and ready to be vintage Hunter Henry and show the world that he is a top end tight end in this league. Philip Rivers loves the tight end, and this isn't a matchup that particularly scares me for him either. So Hunter Henry is definitely a top 10 guy that I like quite a bit here. 
No injury news to talk about in that game, thankfully, so we can go ahead and move on to the Cincinnati Bengals and Seattle Seahawks game. Bengals, you play Joe Mixon, you probably have to play Tyler Boyd, but outside of that, I ain't touching anybody else. Uh, I think Seattle's defense is going to be very, very good, especially with Davion Clowney. They're going to be a hell of a team to have to throw on. They have pretty good corners, pretty good young players coming up in that secondary. On top of that pass rush, it's going to be very difficult to throw at these guys. It's also going to be kind of hard to run at them, especially now that they're healthy. Whenever Bobby Wagner is in there, they're always a difficult team to run the football on. And Bengals have one of the worst offensive lines in all of football here. So I don't think Joe Mixon has a particularly high ceiling you're going to have to play him because for most teams, he's your RB1 or your very, very high RB2 if you were able to get him in the second round after taking a running back in the first round. Uh, And I'm going to play him because he's a guy who's always going to have a safe floor because no matter what the game script is, whether the Bengals are getting blown out or if they're actually competitive in the game, he's going to get his carries. He's going to get his receptions. Giovanni Bernard is there to spell him. He's not there to take a significant amount of touches away from him. So I wouldn't worry about Giovanni Bernard. Every year we hear about Bernard's going to have a bigger role. It's kind of like the Duke Johnson thing that went on in Cleveland for forever. Every year we had to hear he was going to have a bigger role in every season once the, once the pads actually went on and the lights went up. It never wound up happening, and he would wind up just being his backup self, which is where he belongs. So Joe Mixon's the only guy I feel great about. Tyler Boyd, just out of necessity, just because I think the Bengals are going to have to come back from behind. If you're in a half-point, full-point PPR league, I do think Tyler Boyd offers you a safe floor given that he's going to be the number one featured receiver. But we talked about this a lot last year if you were here with the show, which is Tyler Boyd is actually not as good when A.J. Green's not on the field. When Tyler Boyd becomes the focus of the defense and stopping in the passing game, he actually doesn't produce as much as he does when A.J. Green's out there. He doesn't do as well when he has to get the focus. He doesn't get as much separation. He can't get open on the top guys. So I'm a little worried about that, but the volume base here on a PPR and half-point PPR league should give him a floor that you can sink your teeth into and feel okay about playing him as a higher-end wide receiver three flex play possibly in those type of scoring formats. Now in a standard league, I might look for other options outside of Tyler Boyd if I possibly can in a standard league. And I'm only looking for floor play. I don't think he has a high ceiling going into this week. On the on the Seattle Seahawks side of the ball, play your studs. Uh, this might be the first September game that Russell Will- <coughs> excuse me, Russell Wilson actually does well. It, it could it could wind up being. I talked about all year long. Russell Wilson always sucks in September. And, you know, maybe because the Seahawks don't have to do anything besides run the ball this week, maybe he won't give you a lot of production, but this is such a bad defense, such a good matchup for the Seattle offense that I have a hard time believing Russell Wilson won't at least have a decent floor for you. Talking 16, 18 points, he could probably sleepwalk and get at least that for you against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think he is somebody who's going to wind up being a low-end QB1 this particular matchup, if nothing else. With Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, I'm licking my chops. I think both of these guys can wind up having pretty good games. And Chris Carson, for sure, being that he's healthy right now and ready to go, really lines up well for him. This could easily be a 100-yard touchdown game, maybe even more for Chris Carson in the Cincinnati Bengals. They're never going to be in a situation, I believe, in this game that he's going to have to lose out the game script to Rashad Penny. And then Penny's going to get his touches, too, because they're going to have a lot of opportunities to go around for that running back unit. Not only is that their game plan, their identity, but it's the perfect matchup for them to do so as well. Tyler Lockett, 
I talked about him. I think he's a top 10 wide receiver for me this week. I think he has a great floor being a slot receiver, being they're going to utilize him more. He kind of takes over that Doug Baldwin role as a number one guy. So I think he has a really good floor this season. And being that he's a big explosive guy and Russell Wilson is going to take his shots, I think he has an opportunity to break one as well. He's a top 10 wide receiver for me this week. I really like Tyler Lockett a lot. DK Metcalf might actually be a flyer. Now, I'm not probably going to start him in any DFS leagues necessarily, but I am actually thinking about playing him in a DFS league because this is a great matchup. We know Russell Wilson likes to play action bomb, and he's going to be a starter, so he's going to have plenty of opportunities on the field this particular week. He could be a very sneaky DFS play. We have to stop real quick because I have some news to bring you guys right here in the middle of the show. Breaking news. Tyreek Hill has signed a three-year, $56 million extension with the Kansas City Chiefs. So all of the offseason issues are officially behind him, and they are now moving forward with Tyreek Hill as their wide receiver one for the near future. This makes him one of the top receivers at the position with this extension on a per-year basis. So yeah, Tyreek Hill is going to be there with Patrick Mahomes for the foreseeable future. That deal has just gotten done. So very interesting there. So let's keep on with the Seattle Seahawks. I was talking about DK Metcalf. I'm not touching any one of their tight ends. David Moore is still going to be banged up. Now he didn't go in the IR, which is a good sign that he may come back at some point this season. But for now, David Moore is going to be out for the foreseeable future. Jaron Brown is nothing to worry about. Gary Jennings Jr. is nothing to worry about, which is also why I think that helps bolster maybe what DK Metcalf gets the opportunity to do because there's nobody else really there to take away targets from him to up to take away his role from him if he doesn't perform as well as a rookie. He's going to have his role be the big play guy on the other side of Tyler Lockett, and he's going to be able to put in a position to do well in that situation, especially in this matchup. So I do like him for DFS, but not so much yet. I got to wait and see before we talk talk about him as far as his value for redraft goes. In our next game, the preview here, we got the Giants and the Cowboys. Not a lot to talk about here on the Giants side of the football. Saquon, you play him. I actually have Saquon outside of my top 10 in quite a few matchups this particular week. But if you have him, you got to play him. Period. That's obvious. But I don't don't love the matchup, obviously. The Cowboys are going to dominate that offensive line of the Giants. There's no doubt about it in my mind. It's going to be a stout front seven. They're going to be able to put eight guys in the box because they're not going to be afraid of Eli Manning throwing the ball to who? That's the whole point. Sterling Shepard. Evan Ingram. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 
it's not going to go very well. They're going to be able to put eight guys in the box and squeeze the hell out of that offense. You could already see it coming. I don't love Sterling Shepard in this matchup for obvious reasons. I don't think he has a floor. Now, is there a scenario where he does wind up getting peppered with targets and able to have a decent game because he is the featured wide receiver? There's a scenario for that, but I think this could be a game where we see the Giants maybe put up 10 points total. And that wouldn't surprise me. And as a result, I don't really want to take that chance because if Saquon is not the one who gets that touchdown, it'll probably be Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram is another guy who I think you just kind of have to play. Again, don't love the matchup. Cowboys actually have linebackers who can stick with tight ends who have the speed to do so and the physicality to do so. So this is not going to be a great matchup here for Evan Ingram. But given where you most likely drafted him, given that he isn't going to be the number one red zone target, if they do manage to get their way into there, you're going to have to probably play Evan Ingram this week. I do still have in my top 10 of tight ends. I just don't expect a big ceiling out of Evan Ingram this particular week. And there's really no one else to talk about. Darius Slayton, Cody Latimer, those are going to be the wide receivers until Golden Tate comes back off of his suspension. It's just really going to be a lot to be desired for the Giants side of the ball, especially in fantasy purposes. On the Cowboys side of the ball... You know, sky's the limit for a lot of these guys. Amari Cooper is back. He is healthy. He's practicing in full. The plantar fasciitis seems to be behind him at this point. So Amari Cooper is ready to go. Uh, Definitely play him. Definitely play. Obviously, you're going to play Ezekiel Elliott, who I fully expect to still get 20, 25 carries. All reports are that he is in shape. Yeah, he might get a little winded throughout the game, and they might spell him a little bit here and there with Tony Pollard, but it's not going to be a committee situation. It's not going to be Tony Pollard taking any kind of significant touches away from Ezekiel Elliott, and this is a matchup in which you should be licking your chops on because the run defense of the Giants after they trade Snack Harrison a year ago was pathetic. I do love the kid that they drafted in Lawrence to to man that role, and I think he will make himself a stout player in the interior, but that offensive line of the Cowboys is back, fully healthy, ready to go, and I just think they're not going to be able to hang on. They're going to get a push all day long. They're going to be able to tack off the edges. Ezekiel Elliott should have a great game and be in potential to be an RB1 this particular week. Definitely in the top five, which is where I have him. Dak Prescott, if you were in a situation where you took Dak Prescott late as your quarterback, or if you're able to take Dak Prescott and as him as one of your streamer guys, uh, this is definitely the game that you want to play him. He's going to get a chance to run. He's going to be able to hit Amari Cooper with ease. Everything should be wide open to him in easy reads. It's not going to be a high volume of passing because I expect the Cowboys to dominate this game for the most part, but his opportunities to be able to put up valuable fantasy points will be there in this matchup. I love the Cowboys defense too as a streamer, by the way, against the New York Giants offense. We're going to take a quick break right here, come back on the other side. We got some more games that we need to preview. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts, but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. Next game we have up on the Rocket Docket is the Detroit Lions and the Arizona Cardinals. Now for the Detroit Lions, play everyone. I even have Matthew Stafford as a high-end 
QB2, a low-end QB1 if you are in 12-man leagues. I have him right on the cusp of that 12th and 13th spot, especially now that the Packers and Bears game has played heading into this week. This is a great matchup. Arizona's defense is going to be one of the worst in the NFL all season long. They're not going to be able to stop the pass, especially not without Patrick Peterson for the first six weeks, and they have nothing to stop the run, which is why I love Carrion Johnson. Carrion Johnson is a low-end RB1 for me this particular week as well. We finally get to see him play without Theo Riddicks. We finally get to see him capitalize on those passing down opportunities, which is one of the best parts of his game, quite frankly. And the one thing we're going to have to keep our eyes on is what exactly is going to be the split between him and C.J. Anderson. Does C.J. Anderson get the goal line work? Does he get the third and short? Is there a significant work share when it comes to the carries? That all remains to be seen. But the one of the reasons why I loved Carrion Johnson coming into this season and why I had bumped him up so high on my August rankings was because when they got rid of Theo Riddick, he knew you knew you were going to have at least a safe floor out of Carrion Johnson for that reason for the passing game at the very least. Plus, he's just an explosive runner, and there's no reason why he should not gash the Arizona Cardinals heading into this matchup. So I love Carrion Johnson here. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, I love them too. Kenny Galladay is definitely going to be a mid-level to high-end wide receiver too for me this week. It's a great matchup. He should be featured as such. And Marvin Jones should be a pretty solid wide receiver three at minimum. He is a guy who does catch a lot of touchdowns. He has Matthew Stafford's trust. It is a great matchup. The only thing that would worry me when it comes to Marvin Jones himself is that this is a game in which Detroit very well could run away with. They could out-physical Arizona, keep their offense off the field, they could wind up just kind of keeping with their running game script and dominating later on. So that's the only thing I'd be worried about would be game script. But on the off chance that Arizona does find a way to get that offense going and does find a way to put up points on a consistent basis, we may be able to see some competitiveness, some scoring have to go back and forth. And if that winds up being the case, I do love Marvin Jones and his potential for a touchdown in this scenario. Danny Amendola is not somebody I'm playing probably ever in this year is not somebody I'm going to play unless somebody like Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones was to get hurt and he may get some volume for PPR. But outside of that, Danny Amendola is not somebody who you sneakily want to play or even play in DFS leagues as a contrarian play this week. Titan situation, I'm not ta- I'm not touching the Titan situation of the Lions until I get to see it. Whether it's TJ Hawkinson, Jesse James, both of these guys are going to play. Both of these guys, I suspect, will be red zone type targets. A lot of people have been talking up TJ Hawkinson. Look, he has a great talent, and he's going to be a great talent in the NFL for the future. But rookie tight ends always worry me a little bit, and I could just I have to see exactly how this offense is going to look, exactly what their roles are going to be, and how often are they going to look to even feature the tight end in this new offense and this new Daryl Bevel offense. So those are all questions that I need answered before I have any faith in playing any one of the tight ends from Detroit Lions, even what's going to probably be a plus matchup for this entire team. On the Cardinals side of the ball, I haven't been a big Kyler Murray fan to begin with. I don't love him in this game. He's going to be going against Matt Patricia, who I'm not a big fan of, but does have some key pieces on his Lions defense to be able to do what he likes to do. I think they're going to be able to confuse Kyler Murray. I think they're going to be able to keep him inside the box. I think that's going to be their number one focus this this week and their game plan is keeping him inside the box and letting him run around. I think this is a game that we could easily see Kyler Murray throw two or three picks. 
I'm not loving him. He is going to have to run. That is going to be the one safe thing. He could have a floor in this game, especially if they're down and they have to throw the ball a ton, which they're already going to do regardless because their identity is the air raid system. But he's going to have to run in order to move the chains as well. So he could have a decent floor for you in that sense, but I don't like the ceiling for Kyler Murray. And I'm a little bit worried he gets you under that 16-point threshold that you try to get out of your quarterbacks. David Johnson, you have to play David Johnson. You took him in the first round at the very lowest. You took him in the high end, second round. You're going to have to play him. I don't love it. They got Snack Harrison in the middle. This is not going to be a Detroit defense of old where you can kind of just play your guys and do whatever the hell you want. Number one wide receivers and running backs, especially running backs who run up the middle quite often, are going to have a tougher time against the Detroit Lions. Now, if they focus on running off tackle, more more counters, then he might have a better chance. But this is a bad offensive line against what's going to probably be a better Detroit defensive front than we all expect, especially with Snack Harrison there in the middle. I don't really love Love it, uh, but David Johnson is going to have, of course, always a high floor for you because he's gonna he's gonna be a safety blanket for Kyler Murray. He's gonna get a ton of catches out of the backfield. So at the end of the day, you're starting David Johnson. I would just maybe cap your expectations as far as what you hope his ceiling could be this particular week. Larry Fitzgerald, I like him in full point PPR leagues. Kind of like David Johnson, I expect him to have a certain level of volume. I expect him to be a safety blanket when moving the chains for Kyler Murray. Remember, the other starting receivers, Michael Crabtree, who just signed a week and a half ago to the team and just jumped on, is going to be the opposite uh, starting wide receiver, and Christian Kirk. Those two are going to be on the outside while Fitzgerald mans the slot for the most part. I, you know what I feel about Christian Kirk. I, it's going to be a question of who does Slay stick? Does he stick with Kirk or does he stick Crabtree? And that's going to kind of dictate which one might have some extra value. Now, you're not going to play Crabtree in any of your fantasy leagues regardless. So if Slay winds up sticking him and you want to play Christian Kirk as a flex, he may have a matchup that won't scare you off. I'll say that. I'm not, I still don't love his ceiling prospects, but he have, may have a matchup that won't scare you off of that. If Slay sticks Christian Kirk, I don't care what situation you're in, what league you're in, you need to find a way to bench him and get him out of your starting lineup because he's not going to do a damn thing. Larry Fitzgerald, because he operates from the slot, because I don't think Darius Slay is actually going to follow him around too much, I think he will have an opportunity to at least have a decent floor for you only in full-point PPR leagues. Half-point standard leagues, I don't know if I'm going to touch him there either. I have to see him become a consistent red zone threat in this new offense before I'm going to be able to touch Larry Fitzgerald in non-full-point PPR leagues. That's going to kind of be my synopsis of them. And with the tight ends, there's nothing else to talk about with the Arizona Cardinals at all. So that pretty much wraps up that game. Next up, we have the San Francisco 49ers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for fantasy purposes, this game's pretty interesting. So first, let's talk off with Dante Pettis. He is going to be the starter this week. I know he's been a little bit banged up with the groin issue. He's been limited in practice. He's expected to be good to go heading into week one. He will be on the field. He has a great matchup. Tampa Bay has a terrible secondary. Tampa Bay has an offense that should put up points. The 49ers should be in a situation where they're going to have to throw and going to have to keep up on the scoreboard. So there should be opportunities for the passing game. I even, I can't believe I'm saying this, I even would think about Marquise Goodwin as a contrarian play in a DFS league. 
He has the speed. He is going to be the opposite starter outside of Dante Pettis. There's a scenario in which he could wind up having a big play here or there. He has shown that he can have a rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo in the past. He could be a decent contrarian play for you in DFS. I'm not playing him in redraft leagues. Don't get it twisted. But there's a shot there that you could take a path for him that he could wind up having a big game and being a winner for you in a tournament play. Jimmy Garoppolo, I do like him as a streamer this week. I have him in my top 15. He is somebody who I think if you punted on the quarterback position and you just wanted to stream it, this is a good matchup for it. You're playing against a terrible defense on Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is still rusty. That much was definitely sure in the preseason, but I expect this offense to get a little bit more of a balance going between the running game and get him more in play action and not so much shotgun all the time. Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida. Everyone's been talking up the fact that Matt Breida was listed as the starter on the unofficial depth chart. It doesn't it doesn't matter. It has that holds no weight whatsoever when it comes to the actual game. Tevin Coleman has been the guy throughout all of training camp that has gotten the vast majority of first team reps. Period. The both of these guys are going to play. That that that's not a question. This is going to be a committee to some degree. And I think it's going to be more of a committee of Tevin Coleman getting fifty-five percent to Matt Breida getting about 45 and pretty much across the board that goes for rushing it goes for receiving I think it will be a series by series basis Tevin Coleman will start off with his series and then Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman and I think at the end of the day Tevin Coleman will just get a little more touches than Matt Breida this is a great offense that knows how to produce a running back I have to get some clarification because Vita Vey was supposed to miss week one, but apparently he did come back and practice in full and practice yesterday. If that is the case, I don't love the running backs, no matter who you want to play, and Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda both being flex plays this week. I don't love them as much, especially what their ceiling could be in the running game because Vita Vey could very well eat up the interior of that offensive line. But leading up to this point, he wasn't supposed to play. So we're going to have to get some more clarification on that. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow. And I will actually keep you up to date on defensive players as well. I keep you up to date on everything on my Twitter feed. So it's something you're going to have to watch if you're trying to play Tevin Coleman, Matt Breed in your flex play. Maybe you'll have a better option to go to as far as the ceiling goes, if that winds up being the case. But at the end of the day, I think these guys will still be involved in the passing game, involved in the rushing game, will be definitely a focus piece to the offense because, let's let's be honest, Tevin Coleman and Matt Breed are the best pieces on that offense outside of Jimmy Garoppolo. The receivers, Dante Pettis still has yet to establish himself. Debo Samuel is a rookie. Marquise Goodwin is a bum. There's a lot left to be desired as far as the pass catchers go outside of George Kittle. So the main focus is going to be the running backs outside of that and getting involved in all facets of the game. So at the end of the day, I think you have a decent floor that you can go to against what should not be a good defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. George Kittle, he's a top three tight end. Nothing else really needs to be said there. This is a great matchup for him. Sky's the limit. On the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side, Jameis Winston, I'll talk about my sportscaster video. He's my number two quarterback overall this week. It's going against San Francisco defense, which is awful. They have a terrible secondary in a situation where he has no running game and all the passing weapons in the world. I expect him to throw the ball 40-plus times in this game. He's going to have crazy volume, which gives give him a great floor, and all he needs is a couple of decent completions to really take himself over the top. I have him second only to Patrick Mahomes heading into this week based on the matchup, so I love me some Jameis Winston this week. Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones. I mean, if there was a week that Peyton Barber could maybe do something, it was this week. I'm never going to be in a situation where I'm 
ever going to feel comfortable playing Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones, no matter who the starter is in any week. I know a lot of people took Peyton Barber because he is a starting running back in the NFL, but that was the argument made for him last year when people were taking him off the waiver wire and found themselves in a situation where it's like, oh yeah, I really don't want to play you even though you are a starting running back in the NFL because that's just how unproductive you are, how inexplosive you are. And that has not changed. So even though the matchup is there in this one, he's not somebody who I think is a sneaky flex play, especially in a week where there aren't that many injuries and there are no buys. So I don't see why you're playing a running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at all this week. Mike Evans, sky's the limit. Mike Evans could be the number one receiver this week. Who knows? It's a great matchup for him. Same thing goes for Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin could be number two. I mean, if you're playing DFS, picking up James Winston, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, you could play all three of these guys and feel pretty damn good about it. Matchup is there for them. They don't really have a third receiver who demands a lot of targets this season. That third pass catcher is going to be the tight end, OJ Howard, who you could also play too, by the way. I love OJ Howard in this matchup. He's going to be a number one tight end for everybody. Yeah, you're playing all of your studs this week against for the Buccaneers against the San Francisco 49ers. Next game up, we have the Sunday night game. The Sunday night game between the Steelers and the Patriots. Should be a good game overall. And you can start your guys. Ben Roethlisberger is a low-end QB1 for me this particular week. Going against the Patriots, I think there's going to be a decent amount of scoring in this game. We know the Steelers are always an offense that can do well. And even though this game is on the road for the Steelers because it's New England, because there's such a familiarity there, I am not too worried about the the forbidden road home road split of Ben Roethlisberger in this game. I think he'll be okay. I think he'll have to, if nothing else, put up a lot of volume. So I think he'll have a floor there for you to get you that 16 to 18 at the very least with a possibility of a higher game there as well, even though I do like the Patriots defense quite a bit but the volume should get him through. James Conner is a stud. James Conner is an RB1. We're going to see this week that James Conner is not going to be giving up touches to Jalen Samuel in any kind of significant way. He's not going to be losing that much third down work. Samuels might get a few snaps here and there, of course, and James Conner is not going to play 100% of snaps because no running back does. But it's not going to be something you're going to walk away from like, oh, crap, Jalen Samuels is actually going to be a bigger part of this offense than I thought. James Conner is going to be the lead guy. He's going to be the workhorse guy. You're going to be just fine with him, and he will be good to go. Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, you got to play Juju Smith-Schuster. He's going to be a lower-end wide receiver one, very high-end wide receiver two heading into this matchup. Yes, it's going to be his ceiling is definitely going to be held in check going against the Patriots because they are infamous for being able to take the number one target of a team away. So that is something that you're going to have to keep in mind. Uh, but at the end of the day, his floor is going to be there. He's going to be the featured guy. They're going to have to get the ball to Juju Smith-Schuster if they want to have a chance to win this game. So it's not like I'm not going to start Juju Smith-Schuster. I might just have lower my expectations on what his ceiling could possibly be. I do kind of like Dante Moncrief in this game. Now, here's the thing about Dante Moncrief. If they do move Schuster all around the field and they have him in the slot, there's a decent chance that Stephon Gilmore is going to wind up covering Dante Moncrief. And in that scenario, I don't love him. But because of the volume in this game, because I do think the Steelers are going to wind up having to come back from behind, especially in the second half, I do think Moncrief actually has a decent shot to get you a touchdown. So he is somebody who, 
I think if you find yourself in a situation where you're looking for a flex play and you're looking for a guy who has the potential to give you a touchdown, I think he's one of those guys that are right up there. Now, he's definitely going to be in the lower end of that, without a doubt. And if you can help it, I wouldn't really want to play Moncrief this week. I would hope you have better options. But he is somebody who I would contemplate there and feel okay about his prospects. I'm not playing James Washington. I have to see, with James Washington, I have to see how this is all going to break down, what the pecking order is going to be as far as the targets are going to go. And also, I have to see if this guy is really legitimate. I'm not impressed with him throughout training camp. I've been on the horn with that. Dante Moncrief was hurt and out for a lot of training camp, and James Washington never came close to taking his job as the number two wide receiver. We have to see if James Washington is really ready to take that jump up that a lot of people have hyped him up to be heading into this season. I am not a James Washington supporter in any kind of way. Vance McDonald. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. I do like him in this game. With them focusing on Juju Smith-Schuster, I think somebody else is going to have to be the guy they go to in the red zone. Outside of Dante Moncrief, I think Vance McDonald probably has the best matchup against his Patriots defense. Remember, Patrick Chung is not in there for his off-the-field court issues that he's been having. So I do think Vance McDonald here has a good chance to be a touchdown guy as well. And we'll find him competing for a top 10 time top 10 tight end spot in this week. So I do kind of like Vance McDonald in this scenario as well. And you should be playing him in your starting lineups on the Patriots side of the ball. You know, I have Brady as a high end QB too. Brady's just his days of being a QB one week in and week out are kind of behind him. But what I will say is that I love the fact that they have Josh Gordon and he has a safety blanket in Julian Edelman. He just doesn't have the tight end that he's used to being able to go to, but he has some weapons. He still has a safety blanket in James White. So I think there's a floor there with Tom Brady, which is why I have him as a high-end QB too. I think the Steelers defense showed us last year that a lot of times they can get off to a rocky start in the beginning and there could be extra opportunities to be had, especially deep uh, if they're not clicking on all cylinders and they could have that with Josh Gordon. So I do think Brady is a high-end QB, too, for that reason. I think he's going to have a decent floor in this game. While I do expect the Patriots to be more of a run-first team, and I expect them to run the ball in this game, it's not going to be a run-first team in the sense of the way the you know the Ravens or the Seahawks or the Cowboys are. It's going to be a run-first sense, and it's going to be run-first, but with more balanced attack. And so I'm not really worried about Brady never throwing the ball. He's still going to throw the ball plus 30 times in this matchup as well. So that's why I kind of have him as a high-end QB, too. But hopefully you'd probably have a better option you'd be able to go to at the quarterback position this particular week. Sony Michelle is an RB2 for me. Uh, Steelers defense, run defense might be okay. Patriots offensive line has had some upgrades. They've been able to gel. They've impressed me a little bit in the preseason. Sony Michelle is a hell of a talent. 
At the end of the day, Sonny Michel does not get nearly enough credit that he deserves for the talent that he is. And maybe one day the Patriots will throw him the football. I'm not expecting that to be this week. Maybe someday it'll happen and you'll get, truly get to see what kind of dynamic threat he could possibly be. But for now, you have to take it as the Patriots should come out, should try to run him 18 to 20 times. And if they do that with his talent against this defense, I do think he's going to have a good floor for you and a good opportunity to get you a touchdown as well. James White's always going to have some flex appeal in half-point and full-point PPR leagues. This week is no different. I don't believe you're going to see a ton of Damian Harris. I don't believe you're going to see a ton of Rex Burkhead in this game. I think Rex Burkhead will get sprinkled in, but I think all that Damian Harris love that you saw early in the offseason, you're going to see the Patriots do the Patriot thing, which is, no, the rookies don't necessarily play right away. And that's going to be the case here. I don't think you're going to see Damon Harris on the field nearly as much as people think, which is why I like Michelle and why I think James White can have some floor, high floor flex appeal. I don't love his ceiling, but some high floor flex appeal. I don't think he gets in the red zone. Julian Edelman, he's going to be as consistent, as high of a floor as they come at the wide receiver position, especially in half point and full point PPR leagues. We all know that he's going to be the safety blanket. He's finally playing earlier on in the season. The only thing you worry about him really is staying healthy. And against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they don't really have a slot corner that I think can really do anything with him. So he should be able to rack up the targets and the catches in this matchup. Josh Gordon, not worried about him going up against Joe Hayden. He's been Joe Hayden's teammate for a long time in his career. He played against him. Josh Gordon looks like he is ready to go. I I don't take a lot of stock into the worry that went into him playing the week four preseason game that a lot of people seem to have. And a lot of that was just because they want to get him back in the game shape at the end of the day. So that's why I'm not really worried about Josh Gordon and his fantasy prospects. I think he's going to be a wide receiver, a low end wide receiver too, with upside every single week, no matter what the matchup is with this offense. He's going to be the starter on the outside. On the opposite side of him, it's going to be Demarius Thomas, who I just need to see in a real game scenario. He had a great preseason game that last one, no doubt about it, going up against backups, but he did have a great preseason game in that one. I had to see exactly where he's going to be at on the pecking order and what he truly has left against actual starters in a regular season game before we can start putting Demarius Thomas on the map in any kind of way. And I'm not paying, I'm not playing Matt Lacoste, who is going to be the starting tight end for the Patriots. This isn't a scenario where, oh, Patriots tight ends, they want to use a tight end. No, they wanted to use Gronk. I don't know when people are going to get this through his head. They had what, Dwayne Allen and Martellus Bennett and you name it, um, a number of guys they tried to replace Aaron Hernandez with back in the day. They've tried to replace him ever since to be that tight end to Gronk and Gronk will go down, they become the starting tight end and be like, oh, we got to play the tight end. The offense runs through the tight end. The offense doesn't run through the tight end when Rob Gronkowski's not the tight end. That's always the case. I don't know why people seem to fall in that trap every single week. Don't do it. Don't play with Matt LaClosse. We're going to take a quick break right here. Come back. We're going to preview the two Monday night games coming up next. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. All right, so let's preview these Monday night games a little more quickly here. We're pressed for time. So much to talk about. So much to do. 
This is why I love fantasy football and the NFL starting. And we got to kick it off with a really good Monday night game. The first one on Monday night. Remember, there's two always on week one. And that is the Saints and the Houston Texans. So on the Texan side of the ball... You start your studs. I think the Saints defense, we might see what they were two years ago rather than last year. I think this is a talented young team that's ready to take another step up. So we'll be curious to see. However, at the end of the day, you're going to be able to play your studs on the Houston Texans. You're going to play Watson. You're going to play Duke Johnson. You're going to play DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. I think the only thing you're going to keep your eye on as far as this game goes is what exactly is going to be the split between a Duke Johnson and a Carlos Hyde. Is Duke Johnson going to be the true starter with Carlos Hyde spelling him? Is Carlos Hyde going to come in on short yard situations? Is he going to get more carries with Duke Johnson being the pass catcher? These are questions to be asked, but I do believe Duke Johnson is going to be a flex play against this week because I think this is a game especially since it's going to be in New Orleans, it's going to have a lot of points in it. And Houston defense, I don't think, is very good this season. So they're going to have to score in order to keep up. So I think no matter what, you're going to see a lot of Duke Johnson in this game. And you're going to be able to kind of gauge from there exactly how they plan on using that rotation moving forward. But I do think he's a flex play in the meantime. The only guy I'm kind of staying away from is Kiki Kute in this scenario. He is coming off injury. He is expected to play. But I don't really love him for PPR leagues. I don't think he has a particularly high ceiling. And not necessarily based off of matchup, but just based off of pecking order. I think Kenny Stills is going to get some run in this football game. Hopkins and Fuller are both healthy. So I'm just I'm not loving the high-end prospects for Kute there. And I'm not exactly sure what his floor is going to be heading into this week. He is somebody who I have ranked outside of a starting wide receiver. I would kind of rather wait and see exactly what the pecking order will be with all three of those guys on the field because it's something that you just don't get to see very often. We don't have a large sample size for. But I would definitely play Hopkins and Fuller, of course, in this matchup. Nobody talk about the tight end situation for them either. And we talk about Kute, injury-wise, is expected to play, and he's been back at practice. On the Saints side of the ball, also play your guys. Drew Brees, I love the Matt. He's at home against a bad defense. That's when you play Drew Brees. That's when he still has that QB1, high-end QB1 potential in those type of situations. And that's what exactly what he'll be in this Monday night. On the running back situation, play Alvin Kamara. I think you can even play Latavius Murray as a flex play this week. Like I said, I don't think the Houston Texans are very good, especially when the run defense outside of J.J. Watt. They have nothing in that defense that scares me whatsoever when it comes to the pass game or the running game. And Latavius Murray should be in a situation where he has an opportunity to score, along with Evan Kamara and everybody else in that Saints offense who you play. So I do think Latavius is a legitimate flex play this particular week, and Alvin Kamara is going to have a chance to be your RB1 for the week, as he will have that opportunity most weeks. Michael Thomas, I actually have him in the top three wide receivers heading into this matchup. I love him a lot against Houston Texans. There's no corner that scares me. They're at home. They're going to pretty much all the targets I suspect are going to be going to either Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas and only... Traquan Smith or Ted Ginn will get sprinkled in here or there. Now, it will be interesting to watch exactly what the rotation, what the work share load will be between Traquan Smith and Ted Ginn Jr. just because you're always on the lookout for that second wide receiver on the Saints. But outside of that, it's just a curiosity basis. It's not something you want to go ahead and do anything about. Jared Cook, 
Yeah, I like this matchup. I think there is a chance that Jared Cook can find himself in the red zone in this game. This is going to be a great opportunity to get to see exactly how involved they plan on using him, how exactly he's going to be in the pecking order of things in the passing game for the Saints too, because it's going to be a very good matchup for them. They're going to be at home. So this is going to be a good time to get a gauge exactly what you can be expecting from Jared Cook moving on. He was one of my bus guys, but for this week and this matchup, he very well could find himself in the top 10, top 12 of tight end and that really would not surprise me. So he is somebody who I'm good with you playing there too. No injuries to talk about with the Saints, so we can move on to our last game of the week, the Denver Broncos and the Oakland Raiders. Like I said, with Antonio Brown, make sure you're following me along on Twitter at MDSFFshow because I will keep you up to date exactly what is going on with Antonio Brown, what the latest news is going to be. As of now, as of recording this podcast, he is not expected to play on Monday. He's expected to be suspended from the team. Now, whether he's suspended for four weeks, whether they try to get out of his contract, that all remains to be seen, but he is not expected to play as of week one, as of recording this podcast right now. We'll see what happens over the weekend. So that's what you keep in mind. But in the meantime, Tyrell Williams, if Antonio Brown does not play, does become a interesting volume flex type of wide receiver. We know he's a big guy. We know he can catch a deep ball. We know he's probably going to be a threat in the red zone, but he's going to be a volume based guy where I think he could wind up finding himself in the flex territory if Antonio Brown does not play. But remember, keep your eyes open for news on that as that develops. Josh Jacobs, you got to play him. I think the Denver Bronco defense is going to be much better against the run this season than they have in years past. And a lot of that has to do with Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio, every time he comes into a situation, he always improves that run defense, even if they didn't necessarily improve the personnel. It's amazing to me just what teaching a team to fundamentally be able to tackle can do for you. But I love Josh Jacobs in this matchup, and we're going to get to see exactly what his workload is going to be. Does he be the workhorse guy? Is Jalen Richard going to get an annoying amount of passing down work? That all remains to be seen, but I think there's a very good chance that Josh Jacobs could be a workhorse guy, could be an all-three-down back, and could get a volume that makes him a safe RB2 play against the Broncos this week. You're going to definitely have him in your starting lineups. Not going to stream Derek Carr. Enough said. Especially if there's no Antonio Brown. I'm definitely not touching Derek Carr with a 10-foot pole against the pass rush. Darren Waller, I like him as a sleeper tight end. I have him just outside my top 10 guys. But Brown does miss. He could wind up being the number one red zone threat on this team. I like his talent throughout the year. He's going to be a hell of a pass catcher. Not a great blocker. He's more of a glorified wide receiver playing the tight end position. But he is going to be the one lone guy on this Raiders offense I think might have a mismatch for him going against this Broncos defense. It will remain to be seen. I don't think he's a guy who's going to be consistent throughout this season from week a week to week basis. But I do think he is a guy who's going to have sleeper potential, especially going into this week. Denver Broncos situation, I love the running backs. I think you not only are you going to play Philip Lindsay as a lower end RB2 with some upside any given week, and a lower RB2 because he's not always going to have a ton of volume, so you need him to be very efficient with the touches that he does get, which may put him on the lower end, but you know he's always able to break one, and this is a great matchup for him against the Oakland Raiders. But I also like Royce Freeman here as a potential flex play. I think there's a very good chance that he finds himself in the red zone. I think the Raiders have almost just as bad of a defense as they did a season ago. It's going to be a little bit improved. They got a little bit better than they were, but they still have nothing in the interior to scare me off of a run defense, and they still don't have corners on the outside that scare me either. This is a perfect game for a coordinator like Rich Scangarello to be able to go in, 
do what he wants to do, which is going to be running the zone scheme, running the football, doing play action. There's nothing that's going to be able to stop them to keep them off of what they really want to do at the end of the day. So I really do like Philip Lindsay and Roy Freeman a lot this week. And Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders. Look, only one of these guys is going to have a good game. It's either going to be Sutton or it's going to be Sanders. I don't think there's a scenario where both of these receivers are very well fantasy relevant for you, just because I don't think the Broncos are going to have to nor look to throw the ball enough for that to happen. My initial reaction was I was always going to be leaning towards Sutton, but because Emmanuel Sanders looks so much better than I expected him to throughout the preseason, I'm really going to be curious to see. Now, I still have Sutton ranked higher as of now. I still think he's going to get more of the work share as of now because he's going to be playing the XY receiver in what is basically a Shanahan offense at the end of the day, and that's always usually the guy who gets peppered with targets. However, Flacco and Sanders are probably going to have more rapport being more of a veteran savvy type of scenario. And if he does look good in the regular season against starters, even still, then, and he doesn't get re-injured, I could see a scenario where Flacco likes to check the ball down on, hit him on the drags and get big plays off of it. That could be the case as well, because that secondary of the Raiders is kind of slow. So I could see a scenario where it could be Sanders. I think it's going to be one of the two. I don't think both of these receivers can do well, because I just don't think it's going to be enough volume, but This could be a coin flip, but I lean towards Cortland Sutton in a particular matchup because of his role on the offense. Noah Fant, I liked him a lot before Jeff Humerman was definitely going to play. It didn't look like he was going to necessarily at first. Uh, I do think there's a chance Noah Fant maybe catches a bomb here, but I think you're going, if you're playing Noah Fant, you're playing him on a prayer. Uh, You're playing because he's he's playing against the Raiders. It is a good matchup, but this is a scenario where I would rather sit back and wait and see and get a gauge for how this tight end situation is going to shake out and how exactly they're going to utilize Noah Fant in a plus matchup, which things should go well for them on offense. So this should give you a good opportunity of what you can expect to see moving forward, at least in the immediate future, but I'm probably not going to play him if I have a choice. That's going to do it for our previews for all of the games here. So we're going to go ahead, take our last break, come back. We have a couple star sick questions to go to, and then we'll close down the podcast for the day. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. All right, so we're just going to get through a couple of questions here in the Star Sit segment. Remember, if you want to get your questions answered on the show or just get them answered by me, you can go on my Twitter at MDSFFshow and tweet at me or go on my Facebook page at MDFFshow or go to the website and send me a direct email, mdffshow.com. Hit the Contact Us tab, and you can send me an email there. No matter what question I get, I will 100% get back to all of you with an answer, and then some of you will be eligible to be on the show. So in today's episode, we just have three questions for you because we want to kind of get through this, and we're up against the clock. And we're going to start off with... Let's see here. John from Twitter. John from Twitter, he asked in a half-point PPR league, Alshon Jeffrey, DJ Moore, or Mike Williams this particular week? Well, the reports coming in about Alshon Jeffrey, he did have a little bit of a bicep issue in yesterday's practice and was limited. The reports coming out today is that he is good to go and he should be full go and he's back at practice today. So the bicep injury is not something to be completely concerned about. 
He is expected to be shadowed by Josh Norman. Josh Norman's not the same corner that he used to be, though, at the same time. But it is still going to be a tougher matchup than most. At the... But I think Alshon Jeffrey is somebody who has a very good chance to get a touchdown. If not Jeffrey, then I would lean Mike Williams. I'm staying away from DJ Moore this week. He's going to be going up against Marcus Peters. I still got to see Cam Newton actually throw the ball in a regular season game before I feel any kind of confidence that he is back to being vintage Cam Newton yet. So I kind of want to wait and see on DJ Moore, especially if I have these options to be able to go to. I would probably lean towards Alshon Jeffrey just because on top of being a touchdown threat, unlike Mike Williams, he is should be the number one wide receiver on his team, where Mike Williams will definitely be second fiddle to Keenan Allen. Even though they're similar type of players where you're going to be looking for the end zone with these guys, I would lean slightly towards Alshon Jeffrey this particular week in a half-point PPR. Tamara from email asks, Winston or Wentz this week? Go Winston. Look, I think Wentz could wind up having a really good game. I think that... The Redskins defense is a pretty decent defense, but I do think they're susceptible in the secondary. I think the Eagles have a lot of weapons to show off this particular week. It's also a division rival game, which, as we saw last night with the Bears and the Packers, could sometimes get ugly, especially in week one. With the Buccaneers and the 49ers, there's no reason in my mind the Buccaneers should not be able to throw, throw a ton, and throw highly productive against the 49ers this week. I Jameis Winston is my number two quarterback for the week, so I am going with Jameis Winston over Carson Wentz there. Next up, we have Alex from Facebook. He asked me in a full-point PPR league, flex play, Darius Geis, Tevin Coleman, or Emmanuel Sanders. Talk about Emmanuel Sanders. He is kind of intriguing to me, especially against the Oakland Raiders. But I think I'm going to go with Tevin Coleman here. Even if Vita Vey plays, he's going to be involved in the running game and in the passing game. They're going to have to lean on that. It's the Shanahan system. They'll find a way. There should be a lot of points to go around in this Tampa Bay-San Francisco game. I'm going to lead towards Tevin Coleman. Look, Darius Geis... I have to see Darius Geis. First of all, this will be his first actual NFL game. That's number one. You're going up against the Philadelphia Eagles, who are notorious for being a shutdown run defense that you don't even want to play necessarily your top running backs against in any given week. So, And the Redskins have no offensive line. Trent Williams is not back yet. Maybe he comes back next week, but he's not back this week. So I don't love Darius Geis at all. Oh, I'm staying away from him if you can. Of this group, I'm going to lean towards Tevin Coleman being your flex guy in a full-point PPR league. I think he will get some shares in the passing game as well. That wraps up this episode. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, if you didn't listen to my week one preview part one from yesterday when I talked about the one o'clock games, make sure you go back and listen to that before your matchups on Sunday. Make sure you're looking at the website, mdffshow.com, for the updated rankings and projections heading into Sunday. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at mdsffshow for the news update notifications that might be coming out over this weekend that will be vital for your teams. Check me out on my networks, Overtime Heroics, Unwrap Sports, and the Belly Up Sports Network, and all the great content that they produce from my peers there as well. You can listen to this show on Radio Public as the preferred podcast app of the MD's Fantasy Football Show, but we are widely available to you, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere pretty much that there are podcasts you go to to listen to, the MD's Fantasy Football Show is available to you. Remember, I'm going to be doing a sportscaster video later on 
So go to that website, sportcaster.com, to check out the videos. I'm going to be going through my rankings on there later on today and an injury report possibly later on after that. So check that out too. I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I'm going to see you guys on Monday. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.